Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Marvel Vision, a podcast about Marvel, the MCU, and right now, the Loki finale. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete, I guess. Oh, boy. He doesn't know who he is. He's not sure. Everything about his life is wrong because we're going to be talking about Loki episode six, the season one finale for all time. Always. Don't forget the periods in there. It's for all time, period. Yes. Always, period. Well well said. Well, Shakespearean paused <laughs> by Alex Alvin over here. Exactly. This is wrapping it up, and as revealed at the end of the episode, or mild, not spoiler wrapping up in case you, mild spoiler in case you haven't watched it, but uh, there is going to be a season two of Loki, as long suspected, as long rumored, that was confirmed in the mid credit scene of the episode. Not much of a spoiler there, but there you go. But... Actual spoiler warning here because huge things go down in this episode that we're definitely going to talk about. So go watch the episode on Disney Plus if you haven't. Here's a broad overview of what happens. We pick up where we left off with Loki and Sylvie at the door to the Citadel at the end of time. They're trying to find out who is behind the TVA. Walk in, encounter Miss Minute. She gives him a warning about he who remains. It turns out he who remains is none other than Kang the Conqueror, though he's not called that. Exactly yes. at any point in the episode. He is referred to repeatedly by He Who Remains, but he is played by Jonathan Majors from Lovecraft Country, who we know is going to be playing Kang officially in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which is filming right now. So you can consider that confirmed, even though they don't call him Kang or Amortis or Iron Lad or Mr. Timely or King or anything else there. <laughs> but, but that's what, what I mean, I appreciate that because Kang goes by many names mm-hmm. and to not use the name Kang, I think was cool. I appreciate, yeah. I liked it. Just to finish up the brief recap here though, most of it is a conversation where Kang is laying out pretty much the entire history of time. We discover that the multiverse war was more specifically a multiverse war between Kangs from different timelines. There were some ones who wanted to do beneficial things for other timelines, but Others who were those Kang the Conquerors, and ultimately he is the one Kang who remains at the end of time, guiding the sacred timeline, leading the TVA in order to make sure no Kangs ever crop up. He passes the Rubicon by the end of the episode after offering the candy factory over to Loki and Sylvie, say, you could run the TVA for me. That's cool. I'm old. I've been doing this for a while. He passes the point where he doesn't know what's going to happen next. And in fact, what happens is that... Sylvie and Loki, after a brief smoocherella, Sylvie kicks Loki through a door back to the TVA. Sylvie kills Kang. The timeline fractures into an infinite number of branches. And back at the TVA, Loki discovers Mobius, who, by the way, confronted Ravona. Ravona left. We'll probably loop back to that in a second. Uh, confronts Mobius and Hunter B-15. And not only does Mobius not know who Loki is, but now instead of three space li- lizards, 
in the lobby of the TVA. It is straight up Jonathan Majors as a statue, as Kang the Conqueror in the classic costume, minus the helmet, mind you. He doesn't have the helmet. But that's where we leave. And then our only end credit scene is the tease that, in fact, there is going to be a season two. So I know I can tell by your face and general attitude and what we talked about before. You're pretty upset about this, Pete. I'm curious to talk about that in a second. But first, Justin... It sounds like you're a little more positive about this. So why don't we start there? Uh, what was your takeaway from the episode and how do you feel about the season as a whole? Um, I think so. Uh, this show uh, had had some great action sequences and we get a, a nice fight here between Loki and Sylvie at the end. But this show has been built around conversations and that's what we get here in this episode. And it's an interesting one. I really liked Jonathan Major's performance. I thought it was cool, a little weird, like he's a bit goofy. And the fact that the end of the episode and the season is building toward not a fight against a big bad. In fact, this Kang was sort of the good Kang, like maybe the best Kang. He's trying to, while he's eliminating free will in some ways, he's trying to stop a a worse Kang from coming about. And that's what happens at the end of this. Um, I was surprised there wasn't more uh, of a more revelation. There weren't more revelations at the end of this episode. It really was just like a nope. Season two is where we're going to deal with this <laughs> and all the Marvel movies. And so I maybe that's some of where your frustration. Um, again, I'm only basing this on your um, anger, uh, the fact that your beard has turned a, a bright red, <laughs> and the I, I want to say steam coming out of your ears, Pete, blasting your headphones out uh, like some sort of cartoon. Uh, I, I get that because I was surprised by that. I thought there would be more here. But in general, this show sort of satisfied what the first five episodes. Wait, before you talk, Pete, can I take a guess? Can I take a guess? I do want to turn it over to you for your probably expletive ridden rant about the episode. But my guess is it has nothing to do with Kang that Pete's upset about. He is actually upset about Sylvie betraying Loki. Is that what's going on? And that's let me partially, just say, we'll, we'll, if this is yeah. if this is laden with um, with swear words, we'll go back in TBS style, drop in some melon farmers and um, <laughs> shoot shoot cans um, to make sure that this is all above board. Right. Because as we know, children listen to this podcast and we try to make it as they appropriate. I, my children listen to this podcast. No, they don't, because if they did, they would hate you. <laughs> wow. That's wow. the reason. Well, um, you throw your kids on the bus all the time. So if I was your kid and I listened, I would be like, oh, my they God. They got tough them. skins. Otherwise, what if a bus really runs them over? You know what I'm talking about? Alex no. misread what school was. It's where you throw your kids. You think <laughs> and, it's and under and the listen, bus. You actually I'm, put your kids on the bus. And because I never went to school, I'm never going to bother to learn the correct answer. Yeah, you went to podcast university. It's the only schooling you need. It's all an right, Ivy League. All right. It's all an right. Ivy. All right. <laughs> What what the fuck? What what was all that? Why did we go through all this if that's where you're going to leave us? You know what I mean? Like, we went on this journey for you. There was amazing moments. I had so much fun in the episode before. I was having the time of my life. You tease this image of the two of them holding hands as they walk through through this magical world, which we, you could see where all the budget went. Holy shit, that opening shot was beautiful. On unbelievable so much high hopes that these two of the same person whatever whatever that was so weird had a chance because of the way they lit up around each other but they weren't gonna he can't even lecture them you've got to go through the journey you've got to change you haven't changed yet and she didn't change their love didn't matter because 
uh, fuck it, let's just stab the only one who's ever been honest with us our whole fucking lives. Uh, let me throw out a theory I have. Um, this episode put a lot of pepper on the idea that they are both Lokis. I think in the next season, we're going to find out that she is, in fact, the Enchantress and not at all a, a Loki and has been sort of playing Loki this whole time because I think the end of this episode positions Loki as the hero of the time stream, as the only person outside of Sylvie and the Kangs that know what's going on, and it's up to him to save everything. I think he's going to do that, and I think he's going to do that in the second season, but then be betrayed by Sylvie's confession that she is not Loki at all, that she was enchanting him and making him into something that he wasn't in love with her, and that's going to put him back on the on the bad side of things. I just sit through six hours to get kicked in the nuts at the end. And then I watched Loki get kicked in the nuts. And it was just, it's too much. You got to give me something. You, I mean, all right. I'm pretty sure he got, Pete, not to interrupt, but I'm pretty sure he got kicked in the nuts in episode two or three, not in this episode. And in episode one, he got a slow motion punch in the face, which was very enjoyable. But I was... (laughs) I had so much fun in the last episode and here we got to see Loki go through some things and then the betrayal was so heart-wrenching and then you're like okay well uh, and just you see Loki just sitting there beaten down and then when he gets up there's this moment of holy shit he's going to keep fighting even though all of this happened to him, he gets back up to get back in the game. And I was like, yeah, yeah, this is going to be great. You can do it, Loki. And then he gets over to Owen Wilson. And Owen Wilson's like, who are you? And then we see Kang as the timekeeper. And I, oh, it's just such a sad place to leave us. And then it's, at the end of the credits, you got to stick through because you're like, Marvel, don't completely fuck me. And then they're like, there's a little bit of hope. Here's a little bit of hope. And it's just like, what do we do this for? What did you do to me? Here's, here's what I'd say. Wait, real real Here, quick, I feel I, like, yeah. Pete, I feel like you're like, wait a second. All this cocaine is drugs? I, I thought this was fun. I'm addicted to this stuff. Oh, no. <laughs> so a couple of thoughts, and I'm going to try to respond to some of the things you said in particular, Pete, because I understand where you're coming from. I've certainly seen a lot of people on the internet reacting the same way to this finale. There's a lot of mixed reactions. People who love it, people who hate it. That's always going to happen with finale. But again, I understand where you're coming from here. I was very hesitant about this episode. I've been pretty open about not wanting it to be Kang all along in this Mm. finale here, even though I feel like I hit a little bit of a waffle point in the last episode where... Ah, yes, the waffle point. The classic waffle point. (laughs) Well, I wanted it to be Loki all along. That's the thing that thematically made sense to me, to have a Loki behind the TVA, you know? But what I think they did really well in this episode is make it work for Kang as the big bad behind the TVA. Again, going in, when I saw him, I was like, ah, that's a bit of a bummer. I was looking forward to something that really ties into this more, ties into Loki, ties into Sylvie versus unrelated person that we've never seen before. But like you said, Justin, Jonathan Majors was great. Just very weird. Not what you expect from the Kang the Conqueror who just stands there with his arms behind him, floating out of things saying, ah, yes, Avengers, I am master of all time. And I think we will get that. I think we are going to get a lot of different variations of Jonathan Majors now throughout the Marvel Cinematic Universe as we go forward. But 
This was a really interesting, very purposefully Willy Wonka inspired unhinged performance there at the end. Uh, And I was into that. I was also into the explanation of laying out how the multiverse worked. And then beyond that, I do think structurally, and this was the thing that I was getting at with the last episode, when it started to realize that last episode that we kind of actually do have a villain of the week format on this show. It's not always a villain. Sometimes it's a planet exploding and falling, but a lion really drove that home for me where we had Eliath come in. That was a one episode thing. And then they dispatched it. So yes, you could have a Loki at the end here, but I didn't hate Keg as coming in as much as I thought I would, because it still feels like, okay, this episode stands on its own. And like you said, Justin, every episode has a major conversation right at the heart of it. And that's essentially what it was. The place where this episode got a little wobbly, waffly, if you will, for me is I understood what was going on with Loki and Sylvie, and this is what I want to get to to comment specifically on what you're saying, Pete. But I don't think I don't think they made their motivations work quite as hard through the writing as they could have. I think the acting did a lot of work. In in terms of like showing the intensity there. But Sylvie was like, I want to kill you because you proved me from the timeline I've been running my whole life. And I get that. And I logically get that. But it didn't feel quite as strong a motivating factor as I would have wanted it to. And same thing for Loki, where he was kind of along for the journey. Maybe he wanted to rule. Maybe he didn't. But he's very much at this change point like they talked about in this episode. Hold on, Pete. What I think worked here, though, by the end is I was personally really emotionally affected, particularly by Tom Hiddleston's performance and his change there. When he stops Sylvie from chopping off his head And you can see the tears welling up in his eyes and he's telling her, just stop, just stop. He's literally saying that to himself to stop and think and not just act, not just do what he does in the Avengers movie. There's that line, which is a very Joss whedon line where Thor says, come on, you don't have to do this. You can turn around. And he says, no, there is only the war. That's what's divine Loki throughout the MCU is he's always moving forward like a shark. He can never stop these schemes. He's stuck in these patterns. And what this season did, I think, really successfully over the course of six episodes is the only thing it really needed to do, which is change Loki, get him to a new place as a character. And that's exactly what it did. And by contrast, the reason I think the choices they made with Sylvie work here is she wasn't able to change. She wanted to, and you can see that, but our Loki has made those steps to become a different person, whether it's knowing Mobius, whether it's knowing Sylvie, the experiences he's went through. Sylvie has not, despite her longer life experience, like she calls out in the episode, she hasn't reached that change point and she is stuck in the violence and the death and the betrayal. And that's why she makes the choice there at the end. Even though you see when they cut back to her after she is stabbed, he who remains, she knows she did the wrong thing. She knows she failed, but she's a Loki and she can't stop herself. And that's ultimately why it worked for me. And then you get to that end thing, which is a gut punch with Mobius. I went, oh, no, out loud when that happened. But it's a cliffhanger. That's how TV works. They're teasing Don't the second season. They're teeing up the things. That's how the MCU works Don't over 23 that movies. Shit. That's how TV works. That's serial storytelling. I don't know why Go people are so fuck. upset about a cliffhanger happening at the end of an episode. It is how the MCU works. Like, uh, no matter, even after the first phase of movies, it's all been cliffhangers giving us the next mountain mm-hmm. that we're headed toward. Yeah. 
So that was fine. I think, again, just to like sum up, and Pete's done with me at this point, but I think they were very successful in terms of the look of the series over the course of six episodes. This is the most successful Marvel Studios Disney Plus series so far in terms of actually creating a TV series with an episodic structure. Uh, And like I said, it took you on an emotional journey. The goal from the very beginning was who is in charge of the TVA. They resolved that. And then they set up the next conflict for season two. I thought it was a great season of television. Quibbles aside. Okay, that's good for you. All right, so a couple things I want to talk about. All right. You say, oh, the, you know, Loki can't change, but we saw a Loki change, okay? And what sucks is she lit up around him and there was magic between them that she ignored to go with some flimsy idea that she had that even Loki was like, stop, this is not right. You know what I mean? Like she wouldn't hear it, okay? And if you're going to go through something like that, give us something. Say she goes, you know what? This might be the right way, but I I can't. She just fought and just kept fighting, which is kind of her deal. But it was just heartbreaking to see her choose her pattern after she saw Loki making a smarter move, making the thing. And the fact that Loki was fighting for them and she didn't want to do that was the gut punch. And she got what she deserved when she crumpled to the ground after she stabbed, stabbed Kang and then like realized, oops, I was wrong. And that's a hard way to leave an episode of television. I understand what the cliffhanger is, Dick, but <laughs> I'm saying that it would be nice if you gave us a little hope after you kicked us in the nuts. You showed I, us, you widened out, and you were like, oh, you think it's this bad? No, it's actually this bad, all right? He's not back where he can make things happen. He's in a completely different world, and he's got to start all fucking over. I'm saying, what if like, it was like, what if the statue was like half the size? Would that have been better? So it wouldn't have a been a smaller statue. A smaller statue. The statue size has no relevance. The, if Mobius I, was like, I know you're Loki, but I don't think we met before. So it was like kind of splitting the difference there. If he was no. more like, hey, I, 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 you can come to my wedding, but you're not going to be in the wedding party. When <laughs> Owen Wilson's like, hey, who are you? It's like, oh, well, what do we do this for? We're starting all the way over anyway. This whole series didn't even exist. So it was yeah, but just Pete, like Pete. too much. It was just too much after such a great episode and a lot of hope to take all of that hope away was too much at the cliffhanger. I know what a fucking cliffhanger is. I know you choose another no, season. No and that can be very fun. I'm not, I'm not just talking a way to, to do it. Pete, that Pete, gets Pete, people Pete. to come back for more. I don't want to come back. I'm so Let, angry at the way it ended. It hurts you next season. That shouldn't be. Let me goal. agree with you for a second, Pete, because here's where I think you're right. I do think Marvel specifically the Marvel television has started to rely on everyone knowing their formula. Like, oh, don't worry, this is going to be picked up in the movies and Doctor Strange in Ant-Man and the next series of Loki. And that is not necessarily a satisfying television product because you want to end your show with like, oh, that's a complete thing. And this show definitely did not do that. Did not. It leaves you, all of your characters, in a fraught place. There's, uh, what, almost no Worse finality. Worse than when we started. Yes, and I, I don't mind that, them being in a worse place, but there's no, like, 
oh, this is sort of a complete idea. It's all like when we just physically leave the shots of Sylvie, she's like in the middle of feeling how bad she is. We don't get any finality like I messed up. It's still everything is still progressing when it's all cut off. And I understand why that's so frustrating. Um, and I think that's something that they've come to rely on maybe to their detriment. But I do think I find that satisfying because I think the clues were there to give us some stuff to think about in relation to where we leave the characters like lines like we're all villains here. Uh, yeah, Sylvie saying line. Sylvie saying I'm not you as she kicked Loki out the door. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't trust and I can't be trusted. Like these are lines saying like, hey, they are all villains at their core, despite the fact that they've been played as heroes here. And, and I think I'm not you is her saying she's not a Loki. She's someone else. She's been playing everyone. And I think maybe she does have feelings for Loki, despite the fact that she has. You can't, I think, you can't have feelings him. for somebody after you kick them through a door and no, stab that's why the guy. She did can. That's no, why that's she not, did it. No, that's not. 100%. That's, the kiss was real. Oh, absolutely. No, no, it wasn't. The kiss was. She a, kissed him. Yes, she did exactly yeah, what I you were asking it. for earlier. But you can't on, kiss Pete. somebody and then do the opposite of love. You can't do. It's like she kissed him to be like, I'm hey, sorry, I'm going to fuck you. But here, let me give you a kiss. So maybe it'll make him it a little bit from better. the situation. So he wouldn't go down a dark road with her. Yeah, I think Pete, I would I would challenge you to look at that again. How and, is Loki and ever going to love again after he put himself out there like that? I, it just it was too heartbreaking on too many levels to end a show right then. Right then, you could have gave us a, a little bit after to give us a little bit of hope, but all you did was kick us in the nuts over and over again, and then rolled credits. Yeah, if there was something like Mobius pulled up on his jet ski and was like, I'm going to take you guys on a date. You need to go on a date. Go to that margarita yeah. place. Great wow. chaperone. I mean, don't try to Owen Wilson your way out of this. Do you think <laughs> Owen Wilson's jet ski makes that wow, wow, wow? Noise <laughs> yeah, wow. I will say my one big disappointment with the episode, and I understand there was literally no place for it whatsoever, is that we didn't get the jet ski. I yeah. 100% agree. I feel like they're saving that for – I think the way sure. they've looked at this show is a two-series show, and their mm-hmm. our actual fun ending stuff will be at the end of next season. Yeah, I mean But I something... think it might be – Oh, go ahead. I, I'm just having more, more predictions, so you go. Well, I was just going to say on that note, in terms of the structure of the show, who knows what exactly this means, but I was looking back – this is a very several steps removed, but there was an interview with Clark Gregg from May 20th, 2020, which is about when they were starting to film Loki. I think they started in January 2020, so they were already well in it. He was talking about Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D., but uh, the interviewer, uh, I believe it was on Variety, asked him about how he felt about these Marvel Studios shows happening just as Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. was ending. And he said, well, look, I would have loved to have their budget and resources and all of these other things. And he mentions that he was talking to Tom Hiddleston and he says, yeah, I would love Tom mentioned on his show. They're doing 10, 12 episodes, something like that. So there was this rumor going around today, which I don't think is true, that the season got split up because of COVID and they were supposed to originally do 12 episodes. What I'm guessing he meant is that Tom Hiddleston was contracted for 12 episodes of the show. And that's probably the conversation. So, yeah, I think to the point that you're making, Justin, what they probably planned out, even at the early point, is they probably had a rough outline of 12 episodes two seasons. Here's how we're going to do this. So we'll get that one more season and get that resolution that I do think 
a lot of people are missing when they have watched this episode, including several people on this podcast. And it keeps your your peas and your carrots separate in that we've set up Kang here, but nothing has happened with him. So Kang, this evil Kang can come in clean for the the movie side of the universe and then maybe come back for um, the season two when it's that will focus more on the TVA and Kang is maybe going to be just uh, sort of on the outside. Really? No, I, I feel like he'd still be the big villain for season two at this point. I, you're probably right, but I think more stuff will have happened with Kang. Sure. Well, movie, that's so the other not... thing is we don't know exactly when, but I believe the rumor is that Loki season two isn't going back to production until January 2022. So given their production schedule from the last time, this might not come out until Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania, which is coming out. Hold on. Let me check my actual dates here. February 17th, 2023, which is the next time we know for sure Jonathan Majors is showing up as Kang. It's possible Loki season two might not come out until like mid 2023 at some point, which is crazy. That's my prediction. I think this will come circle back after Kang has been used uh, there. So uh, it may be a different Kang we're dealing with, a Kang with a defeat, um, uh, you got to assume, or something changed from where we are leaving the evil Kang in charge. Or just a different Kang. I mean, this is the thing that also made me very hesitant about Kang as a villain even speculating it when we were talking about earlier episodes is his history in Marvel comics is nonsense. Like it is all over the place. Insanity of people trying to justify previous decisions about time travel that make absolutely no sense. And I think part of the thing that won me over about this episode is as usual, they did a good MCU job of streamlining exactly who Kag is and what he means. But as we continue to introduce more variants of Kang in different aspects of the timeline. I do worry that normal people watching this, and I specifically think about like my wife who hates time travel is like, I don't want to watch this. This drives me absolutely insane. You're, if you have a different Kang from earlier in the timeline showing up Ant-Man and Quantumania, that starts to get confusing for people. You know, and if he's like later in the timeline or mid timeline or another variant, there's a potential there for it to go off the rails. I trust them enough after a decade to get it right, but it definitely sets off alarm bells in my head a little bit. I think they'll keep it a little bit tight and they won't do a bunch of Kangs because I think they'll save multiple Kangs for the reveal of Iron Lad in Young Avengers. Man, that's that's a lot of stuff to throw out there right now, but I don't but disagree with you. What, that's what I'm ask. saying. Like they can't have multiple <laughs> villain kings and also introduce a teen king. I think I think that muddies it too much. I think that reveal is a fun. And this is for those of you who don't know, based on the comics, uh, the comic Young Avengers. It's revealed later on that the Iron Man, young Iron Man character, is actually Kang from the future, uh, who's sent back in time. I think if they start to have multiple Kings, that reveal has less of a punch. And I think that's an important reveal for if we are truly building the MCU toward you. Here, here's what I think everything is building towards, which is something we were talking about on our live show just last night. I think this is eventually leading and we're talking years down the road. Avengers Endgame, except it's going to be Kang and it's going to be the portal scene. But it's just Kang's pouring out of the portals. Good Kang's bad Kang's. There's no other characters just Jonathan Majors in different costumes, thousands of them, and that's it. Uh, let me let me ask you guys some. If you're kind of at the uh, end of time and uh, you know you're trying to figure out how things, are <laughs> Pete, going. are you at the end of your time? You sound like you're in a dark place right now. <laughs> yes, I am. Yeah. Um, 
I'm just wondering if somebody said, oh, here is uh, a couple pages and uh, of paper and this tells you how this is going to end. Wouldn't you stop, sit down, and read before you continued? Like, it was driving me nuts that they had the that ending That Loki and Sylvie didn't read it? Yeah, and they were just kind of like, uh, yeah, this isn't important. I was like, actually, that's probably the most important thing anyone could ever hand you ever in your life, and you're but not But I gonna- think, I mean, yes, you're right. Of course I would read that, absolutely. But I do think what Loki and Sylvie are motivated by is— And it might be ma- even in comic book form, which would be a lot easier. <laughs> that would be really fun. Dope, yeah. Yeah. Uh I think they're motivated by the fact that they are pushing free will. Like that was the big discussion in this episode in particular is free will versus predestination. And we reach a point, of course, where even Kang, he remains, whatever you want to call him at that point, uh, suddenly enters this space of free will and he's very excited about it. But Loki and Sylvie, even though they've been shown multiple times that they are being manipulated, they are being led down this path, like Kang says, They don't want to believe it. They want to believe they are their own Lokis and they're controlling their own destinies. And that is ultimately, at least, if you look at it this way, I think what Loki does is he does control his own destiny. Sylvie thinks she's controlling her own destiny, but she's still following the predetermined path for herself. And maybe that's one of the things that they're driving home towards the end of the episode. I mean, to get back to the paper, I think the reason they don't read it is because they're Lokis. That's it. Like, that's the... Point there. Well, and and I would say that based on what Kang said, um, it hits the threshold where he doesn't have control. So I think that sort of script would have ended at that point. Um, but I let me throw this out to you, and Pete, tell me if this makes it at all better. I think that um, Kang is basically a Loki who took the time to get things right, a meticulous Loki, especially this this Kang that is killed here. Like, he spends all of his time pruning the timeline so that he, if, if the timeline doesn't diverge, then he knows all of the events that will happen, making him more powerful. That's how he can predict when he's to dodge the blades and everything, because the timeline's been pruned that nothing can change. Um, and when he, when that freedom leaves, despite the fact that it's making a more evil king in charge, it also takes away sort of a lot of his ability to sort of know the story going forward. Loki doesn't have that kind of um, stick-to-itiveness to do that. He likes to get into his evil plan and just, like, fuck around. Uh, I think at the end of the next series, Loki, having been betrayed by Sylvie and Chantress at some point in the next season, will want that power and will develop the ability to be that meticulous villain that he um, hasn't been before. And his journey for this series is from the beginning to come to hero at the end of season one to become a, the best villain Loki that we could have at the end of season two, setting him up as a big MCU Marvel villain going forward. That's just, that's what I think. That's, that's, (laughs) I I don't know how you could, after uh, getting kicked in the nuts, be excited to line up to get kicked in the nuts again. I think you need a new metaphor just for how you're feeling in general. I I just, uh, somebody hands you a shitty pie and you're already thinking like, man, this next pie is going to be unbelievable though. I like the pie. The pie is good. The pie pie is interesting. Um, and it's not a shitty pie. It's just a chocolate pudding. You're just tasting it. You got to taste it. (laughs) I wanted to talk to you guys to jump all the way back 
about the beginning of the episode, which I yeah, thought was such an interesting crazy way of... new Marvel flip. It was like, hey, we'll give you some awesome. But then after that, nope. <laughs> you are really audited about the Marvel flip. That's not what I'm talking about. So uh, to you're not episode, talking just... about the newest, greatest Marvel it was, flip. It was chatty. <laughs> I, okay, uh, let me let me just talk <laughs> through this top of the episode for a second because I want to jump back to a part of it and ask you guys a question. Uh, something that I'm not 100 percent sure what's going on there. So we start off with this great thing over the Marvel Studios logo. We get all of these MCU quotes as if we're going through the whole history of the MCU. It's all yeah. the movie stuff. Then the Marvel Studios logo hits. At which point we get the Big Bang. We get universes exploding. We zoom into one of the universes. Follow the sacred timeline. When we're doing that, we get a mix of real-world quotes, people like Neil Armstrong, Greta Thunberg, uh, Nelson Mandela, and others, mixed with, I believe it's only quotes from the Disney Plus shows, actually. We get the, what is love but grief persevering? We get something from Sylvie. We get something from Falcon and the Winter Soldier that I'm blanking on. Uh, And it's all, interestingly enough, underscored by the It's Been a Long, Long Time, which is the song that Steve and Peggy dance to at the end of Avengers Endgame. So there's a lot of stuff going on there, which is super neat before we finally get back to Loki and Sylvie standing at the edge of the Citadel at the end of time. But here's my question. After the Big Bang, we see two universes, right? Or what I assume is two universes. They zoom into the right one, and that's the one that we're following into the sacred timeline. There's another universe there. Right, but then mm-hmm. Kang gets into the talking about how there's different universes stacked on top of each other. Right, so that but I guess my question is, if we're looking at that as we're following not just the history of real time, but also the history of the MCU, the MCU is that sacred timeline that we're jumping into that universe. What is that other universe? That DC one that we universe. don't jump into. DC. DC yes, units. DC Aquaman universe. and shit. Yeah, yeah we don't have yeah. to go there. Oh, okay. Let's just not talk about it. No, um, I, I don't know. I mean, that's a... It could be a bunch of things. I think it could be like the other side of Marvel television if it was being very cute about it. It could be our universe where we watch the MCU and do that. Or uh, perhaps maybe best, it it is maybe something that we'll get to call on. Maybe there is a core universe that we'll see later on in the Loki series um, that Loki will go to to learn something about. Maybe that's the universe where the the Loki is the pure villain that he perhaps maybe some wants sort to of ultimate universe is over mm, there. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see was Miles Morales in that side universe at all? Yeah, he was just swinging on by. Oh, maybe hey! it's some sort of new universe. <laughs> oh yes, that's what people want. Yes, it's the Ultraverse from uh, the mid nineties. <laughs> or maybe I don't know. I don't think this is true at all. What if it's the Fox universe? Wow, X Men. That's the yeah. X Men hanging out. X-Men and Fantastic Four, they're in that universe. Could be. Bring it on. Maybe. I do think, ultimately, it probably actually is exactly what Pete was saying at the beginning, that it is just the multiverse, and it's a weird way of doing that. But it definitely, I stared at it for far too long trying to figure out what was Well, it was on, just so. kind of like proving Kang's point, that mm-hmm. like universes are stacked on top of each other, and we kind of got to see that as we kind of drove into this uh, sweet castle at the end of the timeline. Um, but I would argue if what Kang has been saying is true, all the there is no multiverse at that point. He pruned them all down to right. where it was. So that shouldn't exist unless it's something outside of Kang's perception or something he can't purposefully left there um, to be discovered later. 
I tell yeah, you, I, I, I tell think you, that's that's a possibility as well. Just because, again, visually, what happens is they zoom into the universe on the right, go around the corner, follow the sacred timeline, and then we see very specifically the citadel is outside of the sacred timeline, watching it, but unable to see that other universe if that is another universe. So. I don't know. What, what Might I'm be worried, spending too much time on this, but again, I thought it was interesting. What I'm worried about is the fact that, you know, like your wife, when there's time travel or there's multiple universes. I do like my wife. Thank you, Pete. Um, <laughs> I, I, I kind of get disinterested and I'm worried a little bit about having multiverse fatigue going mm. into two, three, four movies about the multiverse. You know what I mean? Like if this yes. is going to be a huge thing growing forward and I'm already upset about it. Like this is going to be, I'm hoping uh, it's not going to suck. This gets back to the thing I was saying about Kang is I think it is very difficult to keep this stuff simple for a normal audience. And I say that in a, not in a derogatory way, but like you want to get people who are casually interested in the MCU, or this is their first movie for Marvel. They're the first TV show to be able to watch something and not be like, Oh geez, I got to watch 23 movies before this, you know, and multiverse is tough. Yeah. Uh, they did a great job in Into the Spider-Verse of distilling it down, but the more they layer on and the more takes on, time travel and multiverse and different universes and things like that. We know it from reading comics for decades at this point, it gets tricky. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, like multiverse of madness. Good. I wanted to get back to what, what it is, you know, like we're all focusing on one or one universe and a bunch of these heroes. And that's what matters because if it's like, well, if now there's multiverses, who cares if so-and-so dies because there's, a ton of other ones that could come to this earth and replace it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and I think uh, to your point about fatigue, like if we have multiverse of madness, um, Dr. Strange, I feel like we're going to see a lot of Dr. Stranges in that. Right. What uh, movie. if then we have, uh, what if, I mean, I'm just talking about them on the movie side of things. And they have quantum mania, which I think will be time travel based. Mm-hmm. I would, I guess. So it's different than multiverses. Well, but it's similar mechanics. Realm. Quantum realm based, whatever that is. Right. If Kang's a villain, I feel like there has to be something in there that will be like multiverse, but different enough that it's not doing the same thing. And then there's Eternals, which is kind of like. Well, I think, okay, just to run through the ones, uh, let's hold off on too much of that speculation. Let's talk about that at the end of the vision board section, because I didn't want to wrap up with this episode itself. Um, A couple of other little notes. He who remains is actually an unrelated character to Kang or. Potentially, I think, like maybe a mentor to Kang uh, introduced in Thor 245, but he's not Kang. Uh, he's one of the right. few characters in the Marvel Universe who is not Kang. Almost yeah. everybody is Kang. <laughs> uh, the Citadel at the Edge of the Time is Kang's stronghold from the comics. So it looks a little bit different, but they're calling that out particularly. And there was one thing that I believe I mentioned in the last episode I had done uh, for my day job, a interview with Natalie Holt, the composer of Loki. And she had said this very weird, very intriguing thing to me about how she wrote the TVA theme, the main theme song for the TVA that's played over the titles, episode six first, and then work backwards. And she said it would be immediately obvious when you heard it, why she did it that way. And I believe what it is, is uh, I wrote down the time code at 2222 exactly of the show. That's when Kang finishes his explanation and says, ah, main... 
which yeah. resolves the main TVA theme in the episode. So I don't oh, know. I just awesome. thought that was a neat little yeah, note but didn't there. You, didn't you also say it was uh, Loki's mom's theme? That was a different thing. She mentioned that Sylvie's theme was based on Frigga, Frigga's theme, because she thought Loki was looking at Sylvie like her mom. And as it turns out, as we've discovered over the course of the episode, Pete, it's not romantic at all. They're not interested in each other at all. And uh, in fact, he thinks of her as like a mommy. That's awesome. <laughs> what you just said. <laughs> mommy. Mommy. Oh, one thing I did want to mention about Kang that I thought they were kind of setting up at the beginning, and maybe this is like a little bit of backseat writing, so it doesn't count at all. But I think this came through in Jonathan Major's performance a little bit. He almost felt a little bit like a viewer of the MCU. Like it felt like they were sort of skirting that, or maybe there was drafts where they pushed that a little harder potentially in his dialogue. And I kind of would have wanted to see that a little bit more, like get a little meta about this guy who's like, oh, man, you're two Lokis. I've watched all of your stuff. I love you guys. You know, I'm a huge That's fan. Funny. Like he gets into that a little bit, but they don't hit it very hard. And I, I kind of wanted a little bit more. Yeah, I hear that. A couple of other things to, that we haven't talked about. Um, what's up with Ravona? Mm. Like uh, she goes off in search of free will. Um, is she going to be a little bit more of a hero? I, I thought it was interesting. They positioned her as a real believer in the TVA, not a villain, really, like I had predicted anyway, but someone who just believes in the mission so hard. I feel like she might come back as a hero in the second season. It was cool that uh, the way she handled Owen Wilson, I really appreciated the fact of like, Owen Wilson can't fight. Let's not pretend otherwise. And that was a fun moment, uh, I thought. That was an interesting scene to me because she spent most of the scene saying that free will isn't good. She doesn't believe in free will. And then her last line is that she's going in search of free will. My assumption was to eliminate it, not to find it for herself. Did you guys take that away as well? I I think so, but uh, I think that's right. But I don't know what that means for her. In the, it, I thought it was funny that she was a principal, also someone who's trying to eliminate free will yeah. uh, when yeah. they revealed her. Uh, but I, I don't know. The way she walked off felt like she's going to come back at a moment with something helpful to Loki. Yeah. Hopefully helpful to Owen Wilson because that was cold as ice. It was cold as ice. Uh, but I love that relationship. And I think both of them played those scenes so well. Also, I love the turn from Miss Minutes just turning into this very ominous, very scary clock creature when she's at the Citadel at the end of time, and then coming back and lying to Ravona. She's been playing the long game as well. Yeah, what's I love love Miss Minutes in this episode. What's her deal? Is she working for Kang or something else altogether? Yeah, I mean, I think she's Kang's assistant, right? Like, she's Kang's flunky. She was created by Kang and doing his bidding all along. Here's exactly the comparison that I thought thought was most apt. Peppermint Butler from Adventure Time. Ooh, yeah, that's a good one. Evil, funny, not sure exactly what's going on. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the candlestick from Beauty and the Beast. Interesting. Lumiere. Very sexual. Miss <laughs> 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 Minutes is having sex with another appliance. Before we talk about what's coming forward in season two, any other notes on the episode that you guys want to call out or the season in general. Uh, uh, had a lot of promise. There's a, <laughs> a lot of opportunity to do something great. Wow. Could, have right. been, could have been one of the great shows of all time. 
Pete like a coach whose team really let him down in the big game (laughs) coming out of this with I, I respect your opinion, Pete. This was my favorite Disney Plus Marvel oh, show so you're far. You're such an evil fucking... It's not I evil. I thought it was incredibly done, shit. gorgeously directed. One of my big requests for season two is, obviously, Michael Waldron is coming back as head writer. They've already been working on it. Uh, tell Michael it. to get some goddamn love in his life and to stop writing women in <laughs> negative ways. What the oh, my fuck? God. What? That is not... All the Absolutely. women betrayed the, the people that they were supposed to be closest to in this show. Hunter B-15 worked with Mobius. Right, I'll give you Hunter B-15. Wow. I would argue Ravona didn't betray Owen Seems Wilson. Like she it. was she was always she doing pruned that. Him he and he then, betrayed he what changed what his he was the one that yeah, changed. Yeah, because there. his eyes were open. He was like, dude, we're all variants. What are you doing? Her eyes were not open. She was she's been a believer this whole time. She did not betray him. She stuck to her guns. Sometimes literally. Yeah. Um, I thought this season, I, I agree with you, Alex. I really enjoyed it. Um, I think despite uh, the dark place we end up in and sort of the unfinished place, um, I really liked the journey of this series. Visually very cool and built around great conversations, gotten some philosophical things. I think they put a lot of clues in the dialogue that will be borne out in the future, and I appreciate that. Let's rank them real quick. I mean, there's only three, so it should be relatively easy. I'd put Loki at the top, WandaVision second, Captain America and the Windsor Soldier third. Justin, where are you? Same rankings? Ditto. Ditto. Pete? I think the opposite. Mm. Yeah. So Captain America and the Winter Soldier first. Yeah. WandaVision second. Loki third. And then DuckTales, Tailspin, (laughs) uh, any Disney show that's ever existed. And then at the bottom, if you've got time, it's this. I will say, if we're throwing Tailspin in there, I'm going to have to look at my rankings. Yeah, yeah, we'll work on this and get back in the next episode. Let's move forward to our vision board where we look at what is coming forward. Obviously, this is the last episode. We've already talked about a lot of speculation, but I was very surprised there wasn't actually a traditional mid-credits or end-credits scene at all. Fully expected that to come into the show. So very surprised that we just got the title card teasing season two, though it is nice to know that we are getting a season two. As mentioned, we don't know when that's happening, but it might not be for a good long while. We started to talk through the schedule, but real quick, we got What If is coming out on August 11th, and it seems very clear why that is coming directly after Loki now. We're going to be exploring the multiverse in all of its forms. Be very interested to see if Kang shows up in that, even though it is seemingly the side animated show. Of course, we'll be covering it in some form here on Marvel Vision. Spider-Man yes. No Way Home is going to be dealing with the multiverse in December 17th. That comes out. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, starring Benedict Cumberbatch and Elizabeth Olsen, picking up off of WandaVision. But there's certainly some pretty strong rumors that I believe Tom Hiddleston is in it as well. We'll be curious to see if Jonathan Major shows up. That's coming out March 25th, 2022. Then there's Thor Love and Thunder. I throw this in here because this doesn't have multiverse stuff, but... You know, ties it to Loki. That's going to be May 6th, 2022. So maybe there'll be some sort of tie in there or something. Uh, Ant-Man and Wasp, Quantumania is the big one. February 17th, 2023. We know Kang is going to be showing up there. That's his next confirmed appearance, or even though, as we said, we expect potentially some more things coming down the road. But the other one that I wanted to throw out at you that we kind of touched on a little bit earlier, I think there's a pretty good chance we could see Kang again in Fantastic Four. What do you guys think? Yeah, 
if Fantastic Four are going to come out and uh, come through and become linchpins to this phase of the Marvel, uh, the MCU, I think Kang is, is definitely there. He's a tailor-made villain for them to to tangle with. Well, particularly because, I mean, not to get too far into the Marvel Comics continuity, because as we mentioned earlier, it's nonsense. Kang's real name in some iterations is Nathaniel Richards, and either he is a descendant of Reed Richards, he's somebody who was inspired by Reed Richards and took on the name, he's a descendant of Doctor Doom. So there's a lot of different potential connections there that they could run with in whatever MCU way they want. Um, But I think... I think at the very least, that is the sort of thing that could tie in and start to build something bigger for this phase and for the next decade of movies in some way. Would love it. But that said, on the vision board, what do you want to see in the Loki season two whenever that comes out? Justin, what's on your vision board? Uh, Well, I think we all want to see a jet ski. Just uh, probably not the beginning, but later on. And I touched on this earlier, but like I want to see... My prediction borne out. I think Sylvie is the Enchantress. It's not a Loki. And I think I want to see her betray Loki um, and reveal herself as this villain, but in a way where she actually does care for him. Um, I think that is probably the most, they're a little bit star-crossed lovers in that way. Because I do think this episode specifically sets that up a great a Yeah, lot. but if Kang is the all-knowing up until that one point, he would know who she is and... He, he called her Loki. And I think he did. He said, we're all villains here. Well, but he, he also called them two Lokis at the same yeah. time, as I, I think what Peter said. Loki offered coffee, Loki, two sugars. I think they're playing, he's playing along, like maybe. And I just think she's used the word enchant uh, an obscene amount of times. And what is, what is the point of this? I if, think it's she is the MCU's version of the Enchantress who happens to be a Loki just for expediency. That's what I think I, is going on there. We but don't need, ex- we don't need I expediency. I also thought under no circumstances Kang would show up in the show. So why listen to me? Uh, I, I agree <laughs> with Justin. I agree with what Justin said. What is the point of this? And I think the point of this better be in season two. The only way I'm coming back is if you give me Throg and alligator Loki and nobody else. That's it. That's all I want. (laughs) So after feeling like you, uh, everything didn't resolve at the end of season one, you don't want to see any of the characters. No, it's all dead to me. Go fuck yourself with all that. That's ridiculous. Just awful way to end anything. And um, the only way I'm coming back is if if it's Throg and Alligator Loki, because that's the only good thing you did. Although the classic Loki was also really amazing. So nice. So, I mean, let's just say you will be back, though, because I don't think so. Uh, You always come back. There's going to be some cool car in the trailer or something like that. Uh, Don't you fucking do that. Car Loki. He's an Autobot. Is he an Autobot or a Decepticon? That's what I want to know. The big thing that I want out of season two, and this is a very meta external thing, but I want them to finish it. Like, I want six more episodes And to wrap things up, I think Loki is in this incredible emotional place. Like I mentioned, like I legitimately teared up when Tom Hiddleston revealed himself to Sylvie uh, towards the end of the episode. The Mobius thing, like you said, was such a gut punch in a really beautiful and heartbreaking way. So I want them to wrap up the story of the series. I don't necessarily need multiple seasons of the show. Six more episodes, finish the story and finish the story of Loki. Because uh, opposite of what you're saying, if they do end up at a place where he becomes the perfect villain, 
that's fine. But I do think there's an opportunity here to really end the story and have Tom Hiddleston as an actor and the franchise on a really high note. And I think that would be a really beautiful story to tell. Yeah, but why Will would it happen? That? I'm not very confident about it, but that no. is what is on my vision board regardless. Marvel doesn't do, do doesn't do endings. Have you read a comic book? Why would no, they do yet. that? Are they good? They uh, just... You should try them. They're like okay. movies, but you you turn the page. Yeah, the only thing that I watch is Simpsons episodes. By the way, you guys haven't commented on my hat. I yeah, have a hat you for... Got, you get a hat, cool swag all the time. Yeah, We're this not is the Simpsons, the good, the Bart, and the Loki. So it was oh, a whole man. time. You're going to get years of wear out of that hat. <laughs> You're going to love wearing that hat at all your special mm-hmm. occasions. You'll be like, oh, I remember that short that was on Disney Plus tying it to Loki. That's my I love favorite the Bart. One. I love the Bart. <laughs> the Bart, the, I always say. Good. All right, folks. Before we wrap up here, we will mention Loki is done. So obviously we're done talking about that for the moment, but we are going to keep the podcast well, going. Well, let's just be fair. We're not done talking about it. Pete's no, going to rant not. about it for months, uh, no doubt. But we will be talking about what if when that comes out, as well as starting to go through the phase two movies. If you go back in the podcast feed, we talked about the phase one movies. That was a lot of fun. We had some guests on. We're going to be doing the same thing with the phase two movies as we go through as many of them as possible. And we'll see where we get to. Um, But uh, yeah, stay tuned to Marvel Vision. We'll be back. And then in the fall, of course, at some point, there's going to be Hawkeye. There's going to be Miss Marvel. It's never going to stop. Marvel all day or day, as I like to say. Yeah. If you'd like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Loki or any part of the MCU. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show at Marvel Vision Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, stay mischievous. Ooh, we are all villains here, kid. 